Hello and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast, brought to you in association with Ladbrokes. We've got a Christmas cracker of action coming for you this weekend as Arsenal take on Liverpool, Real Madrid take on Barcelona in El Clasico, plus a full Premier League fixture list. And we're going to be previewing the whole thing here on the podcast. I'm Aaron Flanagan, back in the hot seat once again, joined by some of our Mirror Football colleagues. We're joined by Ibrahim Mustafa. Ibrahim, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm a bit disappointed you didn't mention Brighton versus Watford in all your cracking Christmas games this weekend. Uh, believe it or not, I am not looking forward to that one at all. Um, it'll be last on the match of the day, 0-0, I reckon. But yeah. Uh, we're also joined by Alex Richards, uh, back once again. Alex, how are you doing? Bit harsh on Watford, that they've been quite exciting this season, no? Oh, they're on a bit of a lull at the moment, though, aren't they? Yeah, but still exciting. Four one, they got thrashed the other day. Yeah, all right, okay, yeah, it's fun. Okay, we'll give you that. And we're also joined by Mark Jones once again. Mark, how are you doing? Good, mate. Yeah, uh, look, looking forward to Christmas now. Uh, it's not, not not too far away, so uh, yeah, getting a festive spirit. All right, festive Mark Jones. And we're also going to be joined a little bit later on on the podcast by Lee Dixon on the phone, who's going to help us obviously preview Arsenal against Liverpool. He's also going to talk about the '89 film, which has just been released. Um, but for now, uh, Arsenal and Liverpool, um, the second time they met this season, um, it was a bit comprehensive start of the season. Uh, Arsenal thumped by Liverpool, well and truly thumped. Uh, Ibra, I'm going to come to you first actually with this one because you're an Arsenal fan, you've been here talking as an Arsenal fan in the past. Um, how much did it hurt going to Liverpool and literally getting thrashed? I'm not going to lie, I was totally expecting it. The night before, I was out. It was the McGregor Mayweather fight, and I know we're switching sports slightly. And I was out with a couple of mates, both Arsenal fans, said, and we had a little talk saying, "Oh, what do you reckon for tomorrow?" I said, "I reckon we could lose three or four nil." And then, lo and behold, it happened. Liverpool just absolutely blitzed the Arsenal team that we just showed up, and they were completely unprepared for what Liverpool had to throw at them. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was strange. I'm kind of thinking the same thing in in that game, and it was weird how. Both teams kind of lived up to their to their roles, if if you like in that. Because Arsenal went in off the back, and they just lost to Stoke, hadn't they, the week before? Yeah, previously. Yeah. And um, they went there, and it was almost like this Arsenal team. You know, Sanchez was just coming back in, wasn't he? And, and it was kind of like they they felt like exactly that was going to happen when they kicked off, and they were like almost just lying back and letting Liverpool, as you said, roll all over them. What if it, what it was very similar to was. Um the eight-two, if you remember, five yeah. years, a few a few years ago against Manchester United, it was an Arsenal team that had clearly come into the season unprepared, hadn't done any of the transfer business that had been mooted, be that players in or players going out. And it was, as you, if you remember, it was four, three or four days before the transfer deadline. Yeah. There was so much speculation over whether Sanchez would stay. Oxley chamberlain who I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute, he played in that game for Arsenal. And... Um, yeah, it just seemed that the team was completely unprepared and almost... Especially because Liverpool had, if memory serves, Liverpool had just beaten Hoffenheim in in the Champions League playoff a few days earlier. And Hoffenheim had come with this idea that they were going to come and take on Liverpool. They played that, that the wing-back system that Arsenal, Arsenal copied. And it was like, if you wanted to see what not to do against Liverpool, Hoffenheim did it. Liverpool scored three in the first 20 minutes, game over. And Arsenal just did the same thing. It was really weird. And like, it was kind of... They just fell into this trap that Liverpool... It's kind of set for them. I'm sure it'll be different this time around. Uh, Mark, you're a, a Liverpool fan. Um, are you maybe disappointed by Liverpool's season? By the fact that obviously you went and had such an emphatic result early on. You had a you know, good start to the season. Things look really positive. Loads of attacking flair. And yeah, OK, we're seeing plenty of attacking flair. But you're still fourth in the table and not really looking like you've got any chance of getting back into any remote uh, title race. Um, are you maybe a bit disappointed? Um Disappointed might be harsh. I think they 
they've missed they've missed a chance almost in in terms of there was a lot of talk in the summer um, about investment in the squad and being back in the Champions League, which was going to be huge. And it never really happened. Obviously, Van Dijk was was, was the main one. Um, and the trouble with Liverpool is is everyone because it's Liverpool, everyone likes to think they know what Liverpool are about and they know their problems. And at least once every couple of months, Liverpool will prove everybody right by being living up to all these stereotypes that we have. They'll, they'll throw a, a shocker at, at the back, like against Spurs, and um, they'll they'll kind of you know the severe game in the Champions League. They'll they'll live up to this kind of ideas and the stereotypes people have about them. I think maybe it's a pressure thing, maybe it's a character thing. Um, but in terms of the overall uh, look at it, I, I don't think Klopp's doing a bad job. I think he is, you know, he's, he's got to upon the Champions League during the last 16. They've not done that for eight years, so um, nine years perhaps. Um, so he's, he's on the right track. The trouble is, as it is with everybody else, is the Manchester City have, have set a new bar and, and no one can really pass them. That's the big issue. If, if Man City weren't there, Liverpool would be right in the heart of a title race. But because City had destroying teams week after week and are so far ahead suddenly it puts greater pressure on managers of Liverpool Arsenal Man United Yeah, Alex from your own perspective as well what what maybe are Liverpool missing what, 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 what obviously we know what their attacking qualities are um, is, is it defensively their issue? Well, defensively they've been really good lately um, Klopp was speaking this week um, a lot happier about the balance of the side. They've only conceded twice in nine games. I don't. I think one was that William fluke for Chelsea. Um, yeah, the, other, the other was a Rooney penalty. In a couple of penalties, there was a Brighton penalty as well, which probably wasn't a penalty. So they've been very good in terms of open play um, defensively. Uh, and yeah, it's again, it's going back to what people like to say about Liverpool. I don't actually think they're that bad defensively, um, but when they are bad, they're terrible. It's, it's a severe collapsing uh, Tottenham Manchester City put five past them there was Watford on the first day of the season those four games almost so what's that there's, there's, there's a five or four and two threes in that in terms of what they've conceded with the other games barely any goals I think um, the, thing, the thing with each of those games is the balance as soon as yeah. as soon as the balance to the side went yeah. they collapsed like House Absolutely. of Cards it wasn't it wasn't really the fault of individuals certainly there were individual mistakes in those games it wasn't the fault of individuals that they conceded that number of goals. Uh, it's, it's, it was an entire team thing. It's a little bit of a character thing, and you've actually seen it in some of the recent away games. He's uh, he's really shored up midfield. Um, I think one of the players who got the most criticism for, for these performances was Jordan Henderson, and it's actually the role that Jordan Henderson plays for Liverpool is quite a specific one. He, he he's very much on his own in that middle, often when he plays. The way Klopp's tweaked it a little bit in recent weeks is he tends to put in two in there. So perhaps Wijnaldum and Chan, or I think Wijnaldum played with Henderson the other day. Um, they can actually, you know, get a bit more protection in, in that sense. But because he, he likes Henderson in that role, Henderson plays there on his own. And in games where they get a bit overrun, he's he's a bit in trouble sometimes. He's, he's changed a lot recently as well. You know, there's been all the talk of the Fab Four, um, and Coutinho started the season playing in a deeper midfield role. Yeah. It's kind of been 4-3-3 lately, with one of the Fab Four sitting out and being rotated, Coutinho back in that front line. Um, even at Bournemouth, Oxlade Chamberlain played as, an, as a central midfielder with Wijnaldum and Henderson. I, I mean, Klopp said himself, hasn't he? And I tend to agree with him, actually, that he doesn't like the, the Fab Four thing. And I, I don't think it helps anyone, to be honest. I think it's, it's this idea that Liverpool have always had these players, like you think back to Suarez and Torres, the star names. They're just four players in the squad. They're very good players, but I don't think it automatically means they have to start all the time. Uh, back to the game on Friday. Um, there's been a lot of kind of really exciting encounters between Arsenal and Liverpool, kind of over recent years as well. Um, since 
well, since 2009, there's been four or more goals in nine different encounters between the two teams. Um, Ibra, how do you see the game going? Are you expecting loads more goals? or I mean, as we just discussed, Liverpool are a lot more solid defensively now. Um, do you worry that maybe Arsenal might not have an I edge? Mean, curiously, a lot of what Alex and Mark were just saying could have been applied to Arsenal over the years. You know, look good going forward. The balance goes, and then things they start to collapse. And when they're bad, they're really bad. When they're good, they're really good. I mean, these are things that people have said about Arsenal for many years. And dare I say, it still applies to Arsenal today. I mean, we talked about defenses, and you've said that Liverpool have shored up their defence. They have certainly, but they've conceded the same number of goals as Arsenal this season, and only one point separates the two teams, despite that four 0 win earlier in the season. So there actually isn't that much between the two teams. Yeah, Liverpool look more exciting when you're watching them and even on paper you'd look at the two squads and say yeah Liverpool probably far superior but the reality of it is that the two sides actually there's not much difference between them and as you going back to the high scoring games of recent times I imagine sort of similar will take place on Friday I mean both teams like to attack I mean Arsenal that sort of bizarre aberration against Manchester United where just creating chances and just failing to find the target failing to find the target failing to put the ball past the hair I mean I don't see that happening again if Arsenal are in those kind of positions but not to say that Liverpool give up those kind of positions but if it happens you know I expect goals both from Arsenal I expect Arsenal it'll to be concede a, because that's just the way Arsenal it, are it'll be a big help if you're not 2-0 down after 10 minutes as well this time absolutely yeah, a bit of a manic start last time but then uh, again you look at the start, start of last season Arsenal 4-1 down at home to Liverpool and it looked like it was going to get ridiculous at that point and then somehow Liverpool it was sort of the, the, the pendulum swung again that was and a weird the, game yeah, that was, it was really a weird bizarre. game it was, it was yeah. obviously the first, first weekend of the season and both teams just seemed all over the place yeah Absolutely. Uh, there is one added twist to this game as well, being Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, he played for Arsenal when the, the, the 4-0 game happened earlier this season. He's now going to be playing for Liverpool. Actually picked up a bit of form recently. Um, Ibra, wh- wh- when he played for Arsenal, how did you kind of see see the Ox? Was he kind of his time at Arsenal done with, do you think? or It was a very, it's a very strange thing because every time... You saw him, and every time he'd get, like the sort of run he's going on at Liverpool at the moment, this, this, like you say, he's picked up a bit of form. When that would happen at Arsenal, there was always the expectation that he was going to kick on and write, like, this is it. You know, he's going to get like 10, 15 games where he's going to be amazing and eventually turn into the player that Arsenal and Wenger invested so much money in as a teenager, expecting to the, what he was expecting him to become. But um, yeah, but for whatever reason, be it injuries, be it just. I'm just running out for me being put in the wrong position or anything like that he just seemed mentally not to be able to cope with it and respond to it quick enough so you'd get his good spells would come so far apart from one another it was difficult to really say that he was a overall success Arsenal I don't think he was a terrible player Arsenal I just don't think that Arsenal got to see the best of what he could be and maybe that will happen at Liverpool now New yeah. uh, Liverpool, are you happy with what you've seen so far? Obviously, we know it was a slow start, but um, it looks like he's coming into his own. I mean, it was a slow start because because Jurgen Klopp made it a slow start. I think he um, Klopp spoken actually recently about how he finds it really important for his new players and new signings to to get up to speed with his training methods. Uh, Chamberlain came in on the last day of the window and was for probably eight nine games was just given five minutes here and there. 
apart from like a, a League Cup game he played in. But um, he he was given these short cameo roles, and I think because he came from Arsenal and because there was a bit of a social media thing about it, Arsenal fans kind of looked at it and almost were willing him already to do to do poorly. They 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 didn't like the fact that he'd gone from Arsenal to Liverpool and was talking about Liverpool being a step up and things like that. So he was under a lot of pressure, and I think he's he comes across as quite a quite a thinker, doesn't he? He comes across as quite a sort of erudite lads, and he he really did really well the other day in the, the interview with Coutinho, didn't he? Where he, he stuck up for Coutinho, and he comes across as someone who I think does overthink things sometimes, perhaps perhaps gets a little bit down on himself, and uh, he just seems to be finding his way and good luck to him. I think he's, he's doing a good job. And Aaron, sorry to jump in and be the questioner here. Mark, having seen him, where would you say his best position is? Because that is something that no one ever quite figured out at Arsenal. In all his time there, no one knew if he was a supporter striker, a wide man, yeah. someone to play deep or even further well, up. He played. Uh, he kind of played at the head of the, the midfield three on Sunday at Bournemouth and it was really the first time he was given a start there. Um, and he did very, very well and he, he, he got himself around the pitch. It was the sort of game I think Liverpool... Liverpool could, could play him there without much I, mean, I don't imagine he'll play it against Arsenal um, Liverpool could put him there against a fairly slow uh, Bournemouth midfield and he got about the pitch he, he was he was really really good he got out of the match I think from Sky um, He, I, I personally think that's his best position at the moment um, but uh, this Liverpool team and when, when this current Liverpool team are playing well you almost don't know what formation they're playing because they're, they're moving about a hell of a lot and he is just another added component of that, and he can he can play on the right of a front three in the centre. He kind of played on the right of a four four two in the wins at certainly uh, the win at West Ham, um, and he, where he got a goal as well. So um, whether or not it's been built up in terms of he wanted to nail down an actual position, I don't know. Um, I think, but if he wanted to do that, he needed to go somewhere lower down the league than Liverpool um, because he's not going to do that at Liverpool. Uh, the fixture this Friday: Arsenal are seven to five favourites with Ladbrokes. Liverpool seventeen to ten. The draw uh, thirteen to five. So the bookmakers basically can't split the teams. Uh, pretty much, I assume our opinions would be. Uh, anyway, um, now a little earlier on today, I spoke to Lee Dixon on the phone, uh, the former Arsenal defender, now match of the day, uh, ITV pundit, um, and he uh, has given us a bit of insight um, to kind of. How to approach uh, defending against such you know a pacey backline. He's also speaks a lot about the 1989 encounter, and also there's a great little gambit about uh, Roy Keane in there as well. So well worth a listen. Here's what he had to say. Lee Dixon, thank you very much for joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, we're obviously talking about Arsenal against Liverpool uh, this coming week, Friday night. The game takes place. Um, Arsenal struggled uh, last time, didn't they, Lee, against uh, Liverpool, a four-nil defeat. Um, what do Arsenal have to do this time round to uh, to, have to keep out such a, a fabulous front line that, that Liverpool have? Well, it looks even better now than it did before when, when we played them at, uh, at Anfield. So that's the worrying thing. Um, it was it was a game. Uh, I was actually at the game and I was talking to um, Thierry Henry on the sidelines before, and we were very expectant of hopefully getting something out of the game, and we were trying to analyse what was going to go on beforehand but what we saw was wasn't uh, wasn't pleasant on the eyes I can tell you that they didn't play very well at all Liverpool as we know tore into uh, to the back line and, and just pretty much played the game they wanted to play and, um, but nothing much changed as far as Liverpool's attacking prowess as I said they probably if, if anything got a bit better and they're playing some delightful football to watch and um, as far as Arsenal concerned, that will certainly 
be on the players' minds. Um, I don't care what players say when you ask them about um, you know games and, and, and historic games in the past, and they say no, it's, you know that doesn't matter. We're concentrating on on today. All of that is just psychology because it, it, there's no doubt that when you're playing a team that's give you a, a good idea in, in, the, in the, fix, the previous fixture, then it is on your mind, and it, obviously your present form as well comes into players. Um, consciousness. So, how you play individually as a player, whether you're, you know, confident in your um, performances, all of that sort of stuff goes into the mix. But there'll be a tiny little bit in the program when you're reading the notes, all that stuff before a game, where players try to uh, try to kid everybody else that they're in a, a focused place, you know, and, and concentrating on on what they're supposed to be doing. There'll be sometimes a little niggle with a few of them, and that's where. You know that's where the dressing rooms are, um, you know, a big place to have a look round when you're sitting putting your kit on. Just before you go out, you can kind of if you're an experienced player, it's your job to look round at the, the perhaps the younger ones um, and just have a little look at who looks a bit nervous, who's reading the program a bit more than they normally do. There's all telltale signs, and um, I think when you've been in a dressing room for a period of time, you start to pick up on that, and that's been. That's been one of my criticisms. I'm, I'm not in the Arsenal dressing room, I have to say. So, but it's one of my criticisms of, um, or observations. Is is there enough leadership going on? Forget about the manager. We're talking about um, you know police in the dressing room and, and and getting players around you to be in the same frame of mind. And I I don't know where that's going on. And all I see is what happens on the pitch. And at times the performances have reflected a. A dressing room that's not completely together. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you were a defender yourself, um, a very successful right. defender, played in some great teams. Um, how, as a defender, do you approach a game where you know you're going to be playing against a front line that is you know, has so much pace and flair and panache, um, as Liverpool do? Are there, are there any techniques? Is there anything that you have to do differently when you're approaching a game like that? Well, for, for first and foremost, they, sh- they, they should all be, you know, from. The difficulty with with the, the Premier League and, and um, uh, when the games come thick and fast, and, and obviously none of the players or very few of the players who played last night will be playing on, on Friday. So um, during the week of a game, of a big game, of any game really, you, you, you assess the opposition and you can kind of work out both. As I said to you before, individually, if I'm going into a game and I'm playing against Man United, then I know Ryan Giggs. I've got I've got. Got Ryan Giggs, Ryan Giggs to sort out. So you kind of, you kind of get your mind focused on um, on sorting that that individual problem. Um, and so you've got that part of your job. Your other part of your job is to look around um, the rest of the team and say, well, if I can sort Ryan out, which obviously didn't happen very often, <laughs> if I can sort Ryan out, then how can I help the team? Um, Defensively, because that's my job. How can I help Tony Adams or Martin Keown? What, what's their difficulty? And, and if I've got any spare time, or I've got something that I, that I can pass on information and say, look, Tony, if we're in this position, I might say to him, for instance, look, we know how Giggsy plays. He likes to, he likes to run with the ball. He likes to cut inside and then take you outside. We always used to play um, a, a way of defending where we showed everybody inside into the into the the middle of the pitch so my job was to get on the outside of, of Ryan and push him inside and 
Tony knows that, so I just remind him that we're playing against Giggsy, and he want you know, I'm going to be showing him inside to you, so just make sure that you're the next one up and, and you fill that gap in that I'm going to show him into. And so you kind of just reminding each other, as far as Liverpool um, coming to the Emirates on Friday, we know how they play, we know how their movement um, is unrestricted at times with the three up front and how they interchange. So we, I know that, you know that. So the guys who are playing against them, whatever the, whatever the defence is, and I would hope we play with a four at the back. I think a four would be um, an easier way to deal with Liverpool's uh, three because I think sometimes when if we play three at the back with the full backs pushed on that can, that can be that can become separated the midfield the sort of full backs can play a bit too high and the three centre backs get stretched across the pitch and I think if that ha- certainly happens against uh, Liverpool in their free flowing uh, way of playing then that could leave a lot of gaps and we certainly don't want to leave that so if, it's, if it is a four, they've got to be talking to each other and saying, right, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all leading up to this game, we know the movement. We've got to be very communicative. We've got to tell each other, not staying with men, we've got to pass markers on because with their movement and crisscrossing runs, etc., if you play man-to-man and start crossing over as a defence, then you're, you're in big trouble. So I think against the Liverpool movement, the, the, the key to it as a back four is to is to be talking even more, you know, talk too much. You can't talk, you know, you can certainly talk not enough, but too much is kind of like information all the time, just passing information on, he's coming, he's on his shoulder, he's probably drop off, push. I don't I don't know whether that goes on in the, in the back four of Arsenal, because I'm not, as I said, I'm not on the training pitch. I sense at times it does, but quite a lot of the times I sense it doesn't as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you were on the pitch in one of the most famous, I mean, absolutely the most famous fixture between Arsenal and Liverpool back in 1989, which has obviously now been documented in the 89 yeah. film uh, on, in which you feature um, quite heavily as yeah. well. Um, just just go back, obviously, without kind of any spoilers for the people who you know, haven't watched the documentary. I mean, what was... Um, um, just sum up that day the kind of the, the moments the emotions it was very much an, an Aguero like moment but uh, just what what were the well, emotions I, 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 straight away I have to correct you on the Aguero moment it was ten times better than the Aguero moment <laughs> I mean if if, uh, if, if if Man City and I'm a, you know I was born as a Man City fan but if Man City had been playing Manchester United on that on that day I might have agreed with you but they weren't they were playing the QPR who were relegation fodder and um, they weren't playing the team directly uh, going to the title but anyway that's another, that's for another day's conversation um, but that, that season really was a, a, a very emotional roller coaster from both playing football and obviously the emotion of, and the, of, of Hillsborough as well all came into the mix and to actually sit down and make make the documentary about the, the, the season which in, it got a, it's got a Hollywood script in as much as from the start to the finish and the, how it ended. But you've got all that motion in the middle, and it was it was inspiring to do it. Um, and it culminated in obviously the game at Anfield, which was emotional for lots of reasons. Not only that we we won the league last kick of the game with Michael Thomas, but the, you know leading up to the game with the um, with the obviously added emotion of Hillsborough, and that's why you know it was. Um, we 
we believe we've done a really lovely job with it and uh, not only encapsulates everything from an excitement point of view but also very, very respectful for the the 96 who lost their lives on that day at Hillsborough so but the um, the actual uh, night on the 26th of May back in in 89 was was special but certainly um, making the making the documentary and finishing it and, and getting it out there for people to see is has been uh, an exhilarating performance lovely and um, obviously we had the thing in the Premier League a few, a few weeks ago where Jose Mourinho wasn't happy with the changing room celebrations coming from Manchester City. What were the changing room celebrations like that day after winning the league? <laughs> were, <laughs> well, were they just I as lively? Say, <laughs> I have to say that the, the fans after the game, when the final whistle went, the Liverpool fans were absolutely amazing. Virtually all of them stayed, or the whole cop stayed and clapped us getting them the, the trophy, which was which was a, um, a superb gesture from them. And we got back in the dressing room and... and um, Liverpool, I think, had been a load of champagne had been put in their dressing room by the club because obviously near the end of the game they all brought it down and and then obviously it didn't happen that they won the league. So we, again, another lovely gesture. Kenny Dalglish sort of you know knocked on the door and brought all this champagne in for us to have a, a celebratory drink in the in the dressing room. So as you can imagine, once that dressing room door closed, it was. Um, we we did close the door. We had the respect for doing that. We we um, we were quite young players as well at the time. There was a lot of youngsters in that team, so we didn't really know what we were doing. We just kind of popped a few corks and uh, and celebrated as you as you would doing something that was so unexpected on the night because we, you know we had to win two nil, which was uh, or by two goals, which against the mighty Liverpool. So um, we did celebrate long into the night, shall we say. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, 89 is available now on DVD, Blu-ray and download. Um, it's a perfect Christmas present for uh, any Arsenal fan. Um, before you go, Lee, um, I've got a couple of questions from a couple of people from in and around the, the Mirror Football office, if you don't mind yep. asking. Uh, first of all, Sanchez and Ozil, um, just very quickly, what, what's your take on their current situation? Well, I, you know, I've, when contracts get run down, they get run down for, for reasons. Um, you know, one, the player hasn't been offered a contract that he, that he wants to accept and sign a new contract, or the, or the club are running it down and they want to sell him. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a case, it's an unfortunate decision, it's been left too long. It's obvious that, um, that it seems to me that, that Sanchez wants to leave. Um, and, I, and I've always been a big believer if players want to leave, then, you know, I can, I'm more than happy to drive them to the airport and, and put them on the plane wherever they go and that, that doesn't you know, I'm not just saying that about Ozil and Sanchez I'm saying that about anybody if they don't want to be at, at Arsenal Football Club then you know that's it for me fine We're, off you go and we'll get someone else that's my attitude to it and it always has been so if they haven't signed the contracts there it's their reason for not signing it and you've kind of got to respect that they're not you know not obliged to sign a contract um, but the performances leading up to the day that you leave have got to be as good as they have ever have been. And, and, and if the effort level drops at any point, then you, you know you, hold, you, you owe that respect to the fans and, and, and yourself, but mostly the fans because they're the ones that pay paying your wages in the first place. Okay. Um, another question we've had uh, from an Arsenal fan: uh, Hector Bellerin. Obviously, you were a, a fullback yourself. Bellerin has previously been linked with Barcelona and Manchester City. Not so much anymore because he's almost had a bit of a, a drop in form this season. Um, can you think yep. of what might be behind that? 
Well, it's, it's difficult. He's a young, he's a young player. He came into the side unexpected um, a few years ago. You know, I spoke to Steve Bold about him, and we had trouble at right back. And um, and he was saying, "Well, Bellerin looks like he's going to get a bit of a chance. Not sure he's ready yet." And he he um, he came and he was a sensation at the time. Everything worked well for him. He was playing in a side that was doing doing relatively well. Um, and he flourished and quite rightly people start looking at him saying oh he's going to be this he's going to be that but if you just take a step back a little bit from analysing that and, and, and analyse him as a, as, a, as a player then he's got a huge amount to learn you know his defensive abilities are uh, below his attacking abilities which for a full back is not the correct balance so he's got to he's got to correct that balance himself um, he's playing in a side now that plays wing backs which I don't think is going to help him defensively learn the game um, and he's so he's, and it is only natural that a young player has a, foot, a dip in form and the fact that he was so good and he's now dropped below those standards people are going oh well he's you know he's, he's so bad now that's not, not, not the case but like anything there's always a balance between attack and defence from a team point of view and also a player point of view and he's got to address that that balance quite similar to, to the team in itself really yeah absolutely um, and finally just before you go one last question um, you regularly have to sit alongside Roy Keane on uh, some recording <laughs> for ITV um, just can you give us any insight what, what is he like to, to sit next to because on TV he doesn't smile very often is, is he like that with yourself in in, in real life <laughs> well he's not he's, he's got um, Roy's he's an absolute gem to work with because um you, you literally don't know what he's going to say next. So that, I love working with him from that point of view. He's, he's, uh, he look, he's an absolute football fanatic. He knows everything about any, every team. He comes in and says, "Oh, you know, did you see Colchester's left back yesterday? He got sent off." And you know, he, he's a, he, fo- he watches football all of the time. He knows all the scores. Um, very, very keen on on knowing everything about football he can. Um, he's brilliant to work with. Me and him. You know, it pains me to say, but me and him have become quite friendly. I don't know what it is about me, but he seems to quite like me. So, um, he's, he's a gem to work with. He's got a persona on TV like we all have. We all sit there and do our stuff. His stuff is not necessarily the, the biggest smiler in the world, but I tell you, he does come out with some gems. He does know the game, as we know, and um, he's one of my favourite people to work with. Lovely stuff. Lee Dixon, really, really appreciate you joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. My pleasure. Lee Dixon there on the Mirror Football Podcast, brought to you in association with Ladbrokes. Uh, Really interesting what he had to say there about about Roy Keane. Um, I I, I don't know whether I'd particularly like sitting in a room with Roy Keane um, right here. He's he's, he's a pretty intimidating man. Imagine a little little room like this. Imagine Roy Keane in a tiny room like this, stamping in. I think he'd be an experience. We'd we'd be sat in silence, and he'd be sat in silence, but you'd you'd be so scared to say anything. Um, But anyway... Yeah, that was uh, Lee Dixon speaking. Really appreciate him joining us. And also talk about the 89 film, uh, which is available now on DVD, Blu-ray and download. Um, Elsewhere in the Premier League uh, this coming weekend, all the rest of the games take place on Saturday um, due to nobody wanting to play on Christmas Eve uh, on Sunday, which is kind of understandable. I think it's a great shame. 
personally. Yeah. I'd, I'd love yeah. to be sitting at home Christmas Eve watching games on the TV. Are you saying that because oh, you're not in the office on Christmas Eve? No, I, I wasn't even fussed about that. It was just the fact that I'd quite like to enjoy Christmas Eve sitting and watching football. Well, that's the thing. I am in the office on Christmas Eve and would like to be able to have some football to watch. Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm in the pub on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and again, I probably it. would have quite liked to. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for not playing on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve should be for going out and getting drunk. Yeah. And um, you, you can do that after. Got to think about yeah, but you know, you know the fans travelling up and down the country. Yeah, local derby. Valuable drinking yeah, local, local derbies only. Well, we do unboxing day. Yeah. We go to football yeah. matches and we what do you do enjoy ourselves. Day, if they're playing Christmas Eve, what do you do Boxing Day? Football again. More football. Yeah, f- yeah. five five games on Christmas Eve. All five games on Boxing Day. All the football yeah. all the time. Yeah. I, I personally think we should play Christmas Day. That's uh, you little, know, that's for, tagline for, for this. Forget, forget families and stuff. I, I'm, you know, when my family are boring, I, mean, I want some football. Sports, is there a day in the year when we shouldn't be playing football ever? No, I, I think uh, we should. Uh, a, a, a game every day. To be fair, I, I am the ultimate um, armchair fan. Though. To be fair, Christmas Day. What do you want to do on a night? Watch Man United v Liverpool or watch Eastenders. Yeah, I'd, I'd depends what's going on. I know, I know. I'd prefer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this comes from a rather not, biased not, crowd. Not, not the Eastenders Christmas stuff. It's like someone dies always. Yeah, it's always really. And there's like a wedding yeah. and well, someone. Yeah, but same time you've got catch up. Does it come back this year? You can come come play it if you need to. Is it? Oh, I don't yeah. know. I didn't read the spoiler. I just read the headline. I don't, don't want to spoil it. Come on. I don't know. Anyway, back to the Stop. Premier League. Back Stop to there. the Premier League and what Stop is actually happening this weekend. Other fixtures: Everton against Chelsea is particularly interesting. Everton doing particularly well. At the moment, as are Chelsea, um, they are. I think they're, they're really almost tied with Man United on points. They might be tied with Man United on points. Um, nobody S- sounds like something they could be. Yeah, Chelsea on a good they went above them on Saturday, I think, and then United went back above. Yeah. Chelsea do have that tendency to stumble, though. They have done in recent weeks where you know they go on a run two or three games and then it's all lost, down, at, lost yeah. at West Ham, didn't lost they? When they were really poor. Mm. Yeah. Will Sam Allardyce bring out the, all, all the buses at home to Chelsea? Do you think? He's at no. home. He's at home. It's his first big home game. Is Sam Allardyce going to do his thing he did the other week, where he's just going to go? I can't imagine. Not interested in playing football. I, I think that, I think he'll try and shut it down first forty-five minutes, certainly. Especially given how poor they were in the opening forty-five against Swansea the other night. Mm. Mm. They, were, they were really bad for forty-five. Got lucky, well, not lucky, but Rooney missed his penalty and Calvert Lewin turned it home on the stroke for half-time, completely changed the game. I imagine Allardyce had a few stern words at half-time for his players as well. I suspect he'll wouldn't be disappointed with a point and his approach to the game will be geared towards making sure Certainly. they come in a without a defeat yeah. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere Manchester City take on Bournemouth um, poor old Bournemouth yeah that's that's um, not what they want is it that's not a nice way to go into Christmas is it <laughs> um, uh, West Ham against Newcastle another one with kind of implications situations have changed Newcastle really struggling West Ham um, David Moyes looks like the greatest manager in the history of mankind is there some humble pie being served to a lot of people, myself included, who thought that this was going to be an abject disaster? We were on a podcast um, ahead of the North London derby, yeah. just when he uh, well, was appointed. First game, yeah. It was me, you, and our social editor, Conor Mummery, and we were literally laughing mm. at the appointment. Uh, so, fair play, David Moyes. You've proven us wrong. Uh, Burnley against Tottenham. Uh, the battle for sixth place at the moment is effectively what it is. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Spurs will be happy hearing that. But. Well, there's... Uh, we were saying off mic, off camera. Off, we're not on camera, are we? You're always on camera. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we were saying before, potentially, if Arsenal and Liverpool get a draw, Burnley beat Tottenham. You know how it, it makes things really interesting in that sort of chase for fourth. There we say, yeah. Are Burnley out? Not can not being considered for a top four finish. I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, 
elsewhere. Leicester against Manchester United. Uh, I mean, tricky one for United. Tricky, tricky yeah. one, but Leicester have looked a little bit tired lately. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that's that's why Claude Brell changed a lot of his team for the cup. They were abject against Crystal Palace, didn't they? Absolutely yeah. abject. It was yeah. 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 interesting what you said about diet. resting players, and then he brought on Vardy and Mares on about the hour mark. And both missed from penalties in the shootout. <laughs> However, but they had to get through extra time. Yeah. So, so what was meant to be a, a half hour, half hour cameo? Yeah, they, they've almost played, and you know, a full game, and, um, and the, all the mental. Damari Gray's dive has basically changed uh, from what I was thinking then, mm. in terms of. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine he'd leave Vardy and Mahrez out of that yeah. game, but um, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I, they'll both definitely start. Yeah. But you're right, though, the sort of playing that extra half an hour that they didn't anticipate, and plus the mental baggage of a defeat that followed it. Um, yeah. I mean, and bef- before the Palace games, we've heard Mahrez had been absolutely sensational. Yeah. Yeah. He, was, yeah. he was outstanding at Southampton, and he yeah. also played very well at Newcastle, scored long range efforts mm. in both yeah. games. Yeah. The other Premier League fixtures uh, this weekend uh, Brighton against Watford I feel like we've given that way too much airtime already uh, at the start, at the top of the show uh, Southampton versus Huddersfield Stoke versus West Brom Swansea versus Palace Apologies if you're a fan of any of them teams because um, we're not going to be talking about them I don't even think match of the day are going to be talking about them that much Stoke West, Stoke West Brom's an uh, interesting game they hate each other they really really yeah, don't like one another there is a bit yeah. of and, and uh, Mark Hughes is coming under a lot of pressure at Stoke it's weird yeah. Yeah. and, and Pardew hasn't got a win yet yeah, yeah. No, uh, particularly interesting that one I say particularly uh, if you're a fan of one of the two teams Barahino um, 1-0 it, oh that'll be fun That'd be good fun. Now you're excited. <laughs> no, that would be good fun. Um, I'll, I'll, record. I'll, get exci- I'll get excited when it happens. Mm. Yeah. Um, there is one more big game taking place this weekend, and it doesn't come in England. It comes in Spain. Uh, the game which is regularly billed as the biggest club game in the world. Uh, El Clasico, Real Madrid against Barcelona. Um, interesting that we're coming into this fixture this time round with Real Madrid... 11 points behind Barcelona in the La Liga table drift. Um, and just we're not spent, even at half halfway point and just spent the week in um, the Middle Dabby, East yeah. trying to win the Club World Cup and um, winning another yeah. Club World Cup yeah. Yeah, winning tro- that's what they do they win trophies they're, yeah. they're, they're efficient mm. but it looks v- they've already won three trophies this season yeah yeah, yeah. No, they're um, I mean they're actually closer to Girona than they are to Barcelona in the La Liga table. Uh, admittedly, they have got a game in hand because of their their, their trip away. Um, Alex, I'll come to you with this one. What maybe has gone wrong for Real Madrid this season? Because they were prolific, they were seemingly winning everything, and then this season it just they haven't had the same fluidity that they had before. And what's what's maybe Zinedine Zidane doing slightly differently at Real Madrid? Um, I think he's been very keen to continue what he employed in the second half of last season of rotating his players, trying to keep. You know the likes of Ronaldo, who's 32 now, Benzema's turning 30, um, trying to keep those players fit and fresh for the last stages of the season. When you know when the Champions League reaches reaches its zenith and they play PSG, so that's going to be a really tough game. That's in February and March, obviously. Um, so he's trying to keep it ticking along. The problem has been that you know a lot of players have have come out and said, particularly Ronaldo, came out and said we let too many of our experienced if not backups, then those that came in, the likes of Pepe, James Rodriguez, Morata, we let them leave and that they haven't really been replaced. You know, they brought in a number of younger Spanish players um, to try and fill that void and hasn't really worked. You know, they've slipped off the pace in La Liga. Um, Ronaldo 
in terms of goals in the league, hasn't hit the heights that he hit last season. He's been absolutely ridiculous in the Champions League and he scored the winner in the Club World Cup last weekend, um, which was quite possibly the easiest game they'll have played this season, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Gremio had one shot, it was a 45-yard free kick, it went whistling over the bar, that was it. Yeah. Um, so I think they've just found it tough, maybe finding that balance of the rotation and of the starting eleven. They've had a few injuries, Tony Cruz has not played every game, Luka Modric hasn't played, Ronaldo was suspended for the start of the season, Bale's been out. So I think it's been a real mixture of things. Um, and then Barcelona have been undefeated in the league. Um, yeah. Atletico Madrid are second, they're undefeated. Um, so those two teams have really started at a good pace and Madrid have just been left behind a little bit. Absolutely. Um, who do you get more excited to watch, Real Madrid or Barcelona? Because I mean, we watch a lot of Spanish football when we're in the, um, when we're in the office and, and always, sat around. I've um, always been more towards Barcelona um, purely because they've had obviously the, the way they've played football over over the years. But then the, the current team, I think, is going through a bit of a change. Well, I think both teams are. So what makes the game quite interesting actually this weekend? Um, Real Madrid. You get the sense that. Obviously, I mean Ronaldo can't go on forever, and 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 where's the where's the backup after that? Because everyone thinks Bale will be off soon. Neymar, Neymar potentially. <laughs> We're obviously linked with the likes of Eden Hazard every other week. So, I do I do think there might be a bit of a change coming there within the next year or so. Um, the current Barcelona team, whilst perhaps not held in as high regard as some of the others, um, are, are, are very good. Uh, watched them the other night. Actually, they won four 0 um, it's got an absolutely sensational goal yeah, as well. Suarez's second goal. goal. When you see the replay, the movement is everything. The sort of like the stereotype of like the tiki taka, the beautiful yeah. Barcelona way. I mean, that was just encompassing that one goal. Maybe that's not how they've the, been uh, playing this season overall. But that goal. Well, Suarez was, just, was in, in a bit of a dip, wasn't he? And he, he has, he's, yeah. he's one who you just associate with just scoring every week, and he mm. wasn't. Um, but the crucial thing is they've got the likes of Messi and other people to back that the, up. The yeah, three people right. at the start of that move were um, Iniesta, mm-hmm. Messi, and Paulinho. Yeah, and Paulinho has been brilliant. He's, right. he's scored twice overnight. Twice. Mm-hmm. He provides a real link between midfield and the attack. You know, um, he needs Coutinho. Eh? They've become a lot more defensively <laughs> solid. <laughs> Says the Liverpool man. <laughs> they've been a lot more defensively no, solid. Gen- this season. Generally, the world. Thing, <laughs> Um, uh, odds wise uh, bookmakers have gone with Real Madrid as the favourites probably simply because they're at home they're 11-10 to 10. Uh, draw 14-5 to 5. Barcelona you can get 2-1 to 1, which I'll be honest I've quite fancy back in uh, those odds uh, from yeah. uh, Madrid, from Madrid um, took them apart in the Super Cup at the start of the season beating 5-1 on aggregate really comfortable you look at um, the last two yeah, league yeah. games though at the Bernabeu they had the last minute Messi winner last season that was a brilliant game that, that was, was an <laughs> incredible game of football you think back to that that Super Cup mm. and back then it was Barcelona were in crisis weren't they yeah, yeah absolutely there, there was, and obviously that, that was in the middle of the whole Coutinho the, thing the, which wasn't yeah. the only yeah. issue for Barcelona is they have become more dependent on Messi than ever before Yeah, yeah. Every, that's what, that everything was... goes through yeah, him yeah, now yeah, yeah. You know, he's top scorer in the league with 14 yeah. I think he's hit the woodwork 13 times yeah. you, could, you could make a strong case that he could be on 25 goals plus already in the league like like with more than double who, he missed who, the penalty last weekend as well didn't he yeah um, so yeah, Real Madrid against Barcelona taking place uh, this weekend. Uh, we, we will no doubt be talking loads more about Real Madrid and Barcelona over the coming months, simply because the January transfer window uh, is opening soon. Uh, you can, well, I mean, there's plenty of transfer news happening already. Uh, make sure you stick around on Mirror Football uh, um, for all our transfer coverage. And for a cheap plug, for a cheap plug, just have a look at our transfer update, our daily transfer update videos, which are on the website and. 
Sadly, I do feature in most of them. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just get that warning out. The, the outtakes videos are yeah. hilarious. Yeah. What well, outtakes? It's one take every time. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very good. We, we are is. the consummate pros. It is with me. It might not be with some other people. Yeah. Aaron Flanagan. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> certainly not with Aaron Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, better, I'm better behind the microphone, it's, it turns out, than, than the camera. Um, I say that the start of this podcast literally took like eleven or twelve takes because don't don't ruin the mystique for people. Yeah, it's alright, but this one's not behind the curtain, breaking the fourth wall. This yeah, one's yeah, yeah. right, um, and we're actually gone one take all the way through. I don't have anything to cut out for once. Um, on this right, bit right now, apart from yeah, this yeah. bit, maybe right Black now. Black says he oh, has yeah. nothing to cut out. Yeah, he's he's the video expert. <laughs> yeah, as well. I'm going to be the one who's so yeah, many yeah. so many nothing strings to his bug. Nothing yeah. to to sort out. Before we go, we do like to talk every now and again about the championship. We like to keep an eye on what's happening, who's coming up to the Premier League, and unfortunately, this week we're going to start with a team that might be going down even further. Birmingham City, once great club, Premier League club. Um, are rock bottom of the championship and uh, it looks like Steve Cottrell, the manager who is their second manager of the season is under uh, a lot of pressure um, Alex, from your perspective what has happened at Birmingham? What's gone wrong? It's been an absolute mess since new owners came in and got rid of Gary Rowett um, can, can we actually for, it for whatever far back? I mean, yeah. That started the chain of events certainly I mean, if you look at what Rowett's doing now at Derby you know flying and potentially looking like they're going to go up this season well you know they're pushing and they're probably going to get a playoff place at the very least the, the owners came in and had had their reasons for getting rid of Gary Rowett um, yeah. he had they weren't particularly enamoured with his style of football but he didn't have a big budget and that was kind of the think, reason they played that way uh, he, he also made himself available to other clubs said yeah. he was possibly interested yeah, that was weird, and it? turned down in a new I don't know if he turned down a new contract or wasn't keen on signing a new contract that was offered, um, well, and then they got rid of him. The uh, the, the owners when they, when they came came over the Rowett situation when they came over to watch a couple of games. I think one was away at Newcastle, and they, they watched another game. And Birmingham didn't win either of them games, and that's all they've seen of Gary Rowett. So the, it, was, it was very understandable that if they're coming in completely oblivious, games, and and that's what they see though. It's understandable as a so new manager. The way his side played, it was a lot of grinding football. It wasn't it wasn't what you would call you know we were talking about Barcelona quality these but other end of the scale it was football based these are the players I've got this is the best job I can do um, but it was working because they were in in the play of contention under him I think the whole thing is is sadly one one of the many sort of similar stories you hear kind of down the league tables isn't it in terms of new owners coming in not really having a clue what they're doing and uh, bad sad, appointments sadly the ones who suffer are the fans and um, you know Birmingham as you said. Great club, you know. Used, used to be uh, in do sort of mid-table Premier League for a while, weren't they? And, and the sort of club league that you, winners. the sort of of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of in league final, which they lost as well against Liverpool in early noughties. Um So yeah, the sort of club that by rights, well, obviously no, no one's got a right to it, but by by the size of them, they should they should be doing better in the Championship than they are certainly. Yeah, um, I was just say Steve Cottrell. I actually re- I really like him as a pundit. When he's been a pundit on Sky Sports, I. I, I I kind of look at him and go, he's really insightful. He offers a, a reasoned opinion, but it, it just hasn't worked since he's been brought in this he, season. He's it? offered, I, if that's you're taking him as a pundit, then that's fine. Um, he, his opinions, however, for his side's defeats recently have been, um, I don't know what games he's been watching. Um, they lost to Wolves and didn't have a single shot on target. Uh, he he, basically went on about how if shots weren't blocked, they would have. They would have got something that they deserved to get something from the game, having been completely dominated and Wolves missed a number of chances. Um, basically, he came in under Harry Redknapp at the back end of last season at the same time as a coach. They thought Redknapp was going to move on in the summer. 
Redknapp then signed a new deal. Cottrell effectively thought that job should have been his. Um, left, was bought back by the owners when they got rid of Harry Redknapp. And he just hasn't got that gravitas. They've spent a lot of money on players and I just don't think those players are either suited to his methods or his methods suit those players. The formation he attempts to play don't suit those players. Um, they signed Hotter from Brentford, one of the Championship's outstanding players last season. He barely gets a kick in that team. When he's on, he doesn't impress. He, get, he was hauled off at half-time against Wolves. Um, when he's on the bench, he can't do anything from the bench. You know, It's, it's just an absolute mess and... Unfortunately, you can only see them going down. You see, that, you see that video of Cottrell after the Fulham game where he's, uh, he was talking to the fans outside the ground. It was a, a Fulham kind of fan channel just almost accidentally caught it and he ends up in a kind of... I wouldn't say it's that like heated, it's a confrontation. He's talking to the fans who are obviously disappointed they've come all the way down to Fulham to watch the game. And you can really tell how much he cares when he's talking to these fans. I just wonder if he's the sort of character who kind of lets it get to him a little bit and, um, and when, when things do start turning the wrong way, if if you know it's you more see emotional how quickly than these things get embedded then, yeah. and mm. um, so yeah, given given the harsh nature of the championship, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he did. He keeps talking about his side need a little bit of luck, um, but you know, so does everyone. Yeah. So does everyone. Yeah. Apart from wolves, you don't. The wolves don't need luck. <laughs> wolves are getting everything right now. They're absolutely flying. Yeah. Um, just quickly, very quickly before we wrap up, is anyone going to catch wolves? I wouldn't think so. No, nope. they are, they have been that good. Yeah, everyone pretty confident Wolves are gonna gonna win the championship. Yeah. No mid-season collapse. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. They, he's a terrific manager, Nuna. He really. Yeah. He really is. He, even when they're winning games, you know that Birmingham game, he was absolutely furious afterwards because they'd only won one nil because they hadn't taken chances. And then at the weekend, uh, the next game, drew nil nil at home. Sunderland didn't create a lot of chances, and kind of his fury came through, and he wasn't happy at all with. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday the other night they didn't play well but he realised that changed in game right we're going to hold on to this 1-0 lead and see it out yeah. very good at that in game in game management they just, very look, good they just look a cut above um, yeah. very occasionally you get these teams don't you who, who just have this season yeah. where and as Alex said even when they're not playing well you still you still almost think well they're still going to win it's just not going to be as impressive the game against Sheffield Wednesday a couple of weeks ago which, which I watched it was one of them Sheffield yeah. Wednesday did yeah. well yeah. but you kind of didn't really doubt that so Wolves were going to win they didn't think Sheffield Wednesday would score no, they didn't create a great deal of chances it was like yeah. they were being kept at arm's length yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Wolves were like yeah we know like, we know we're beating you we know we could beat a bit more but you're staying there we're going to win the game they're on, they're on course to break the championship points record I'm not sure they will do that but they will almost certainly be going on yeah right that will do us this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, make sure you never miss an episode of the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, we're available on iTunes, Audioboom and Spotify, where you can subscribe to us on all three channels. Uh, you'll also find us all over the Mirror Football social media. Uh, wherever you're subscribing, wherever you're listening, uh, we'd absolutely appreciate it if you could leave a rating, uh, hopefully a five-star one. I really hope it's a five-star one. Please be a five-star one. Um, and also a little review and let us know <laughs> what you think. desperate in any way. <laughs> Give us the reviews, come on. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, we'll be back over the Christmas period. Um, we'll cram in an episode before uh, Christmas, uh, well, sorry, before New Year. Yeah, no um, break for us. Yeah, I, I, I won't be here over Christmas, unfortunately. <laughs> I, say un- I say unfortunately, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to Christmas. Uh, but yeah, uh, until then, uh, enjoy uh, all the weekend's action. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.